You're listening to Selfish. This is where we bring self-care and bravery together to encourage you to follow your dreams. Here's your host, your favorite selfish enthusiast, Ali Hembry Martin. Bill Protzman has an incredible story of how music has blessed his life in more ways than one. I really enjoyed this conversation about incorporating music into your life for better self-care. Bill, I am so excited that you're here talking with me today. This is a topic I've been really anxious um, to dive into, so I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for joining me. Allie, it's awesome to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So first, tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a piano player and uh, sort of not by choice because my mother who wanted to be a piano teacher uh, and me being her first kid, I wound up being the guinea pig. And that was fun after I was about 12 years old. So by that time I'd been playing the piano or trying to for about nine years. And you can imagine what it's like in your early, like uh, growing up years to have this piano thing that you must do. And um, mom honed her skills. So the people who she started later in my life wound up having the benefits of everything that she'd experimented on with me. But it was so amazing because when you make music like that as you're developing, you develop in your brain uh, connections that regular people who don't make music that early uh, don't have. So I mean, you know, I did better in school. I, I really became grateful for music when I found ragtime and started to play that because then people wanted to hear what I was playing. I wasn't just mm. playing, you know, furry lease. And so that became sort of the lead in my life. What do people want to hear? What's fun? How can I connect with audiences? How do I get audiences to connect to each other? And over the course of a lifetime, I've actually found the scientists now doing research on those very same questions that I was asking when I was maybe, you know, 15. So it's been an amazing ride. And to be able to bring people to their own music in a way that they may never have experienced before, that's sort of the, the thing that orbits around what I do, opening you up to your very own music in ways that you'd never thought of using it before. Wow, I love that. And yes, I did play piano growing up, so I have a small inkling of what you went through, but um, I didn't hang with it as long as you have. So uh, I'm assuming you still play today. I still do, right? It won't go away. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so from your love of music and, you know, having it surrounding you growing up, you created Music Care Inc. in 2011. What led you to want to start an organization that would allow you to integrate music into your everyday life? It's kind of a challenge question. A long time ago, a mentor told me, well, Bill, you know, you're going to be a, a really great patron of the arts. So he saw qualities in me that bridged the space at the piano bench with the space in the audience and was sort of challenging me there to be the communicator between the two. It was an interesting challenge. And I believe after all this time that there's got to be a more organized way to engage people with music. We try, you know, in in education and in school and that's, that's helpful, but it's not reaching enough people. Look at our 
current state of mental and emotional health. They say we're angrier than we've ever been in America. So, mm. yeah, that's great. But we didn't give ourselves tools early on. We didn't build into ourselves practices early on that sustain us now when it comes to uh, emotional health. We just didn't. And I know there's an emotional intelligence movement, things like that, but music is more simple. It's more basic. We as human beings just resonate with it. So an organization to help promote that and sustain that is uh, was necessary. It had been for a long time. And I'd kind of been doing the work anyway. So um, I stood up Music Care, made it a for-profit with a give back so that the money that we earn we can also use to help those who are most in need, having spent oh nine years now volunteering with at-risk people in San Diego, veterans, homeless, addicted, or people in recovery, there needs to be an organization to support those people specifically with self-care using music. I know that we're going to talk about music therapy a little later, but having the ability to care for yourself, let's call it a selfish practice. We need more of those. And the one that resonates with us at a molecular level is music. It just reaches every single part of us. We're resonators, you know, we, we respond to music. So that's the reason for the organization. And um, to be very selfish about it, I think we need to have more corporations that define their purpose as um, more in terms of giving back to society and less in terms of supporting shareholders. So that's the ethos around music care. Yeah, we want to earn a bunch of money, but also we want to take that money and deploy it to help people who are at risk and really move the needle for uh, for social services in a way that hasn't been done at all. Mm, I love that. And I love that that mission is at the core of your business from the very beginning. You, you set out to accomplish that. Um, it wasn't just a, a, a side uh, result of being successful. Um, you right. set out from the beginning with it. Um, so you talk a lot about how music can actually help individuals move forward with goals and, um, and really essentially just get ahead in life. So talk to us about what you mean by that. How can people use music to get ahead. This is really the core of it, isn't it? Because we all know about music for exercise and music for relaxation. And that's fine. Those interventions are good. But the way that you really leverage your, uh, your capabilities that are already built into you and even in explore new ones is to have a consistent practice of something that's not exercise and not relaxation. Um, and that isn't just background music. Background music is definitely a jump up the ladder. But we're talking about sitting down and consciously working through, and I'm using that word with purpose, working through a piece of music. How do you do that work? Well, you want to do it intellectually, I know, but the real work comes at the heart. How do you connect your heart to that music? How do you connect your soul, the inner stuff, the, the consciousness that is Bill, that is Ali? How does that connect and respond to the music? And fortunately, there's good evidence about that because we have these funny things called emotions, right? So, when you're listening to music, you are, you are basically giving yourself an emotional stimulus of some kind. Uh, could be sad, could be happy, could be scary, could be angry. And if you look around the world these days, you'll recognize that joy is kind of like at the bottom of that ladder. And it's true. It's only 25% of our basic emotions. Just use oversimplifying here for everybody who's out there. So joy is only 25%. We still got sadness, anger, and fear to deal with. And in very, very big ways right now, anger and fear are not, we're not dealing well with those. 
And sadness is right alongside because there, there's a lot of stuff that isn't right in the world right now. And we tend to respond to that. We need to respond to that. But we're not real great at using anger and fear. Anger and fear can be very useful. I mean, if you're scared of retirement, you're going to save money. And um, if somebody like attacks your family, your anger is going to come up and that energy will help you protect them. But we don't have real great practices around anger and fear. So the way to really get ahead in life is to use all of your emotions, not with judgment, but use them with purpose. And it takes some practice to understand how to deal with fear when it comes up and how to channel that energy into a good purpose. Same thing with anger. Guess what? Music is the safe place to experience fear and anger. And if you have a practice around experiencing, teaching yourself what it's like to be afraid at different levels, because there are, you know, there's abject terror and there's, oh, maybe I should buy, you know, milk before I run out. Um, if you have experience with all those different levels of fear, that gives you a jump on so many people who don't. Because you can modulate that energy and use it in ways that the rest of us are still going, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting here scared, right? What do I do? Same with anger. So uh, the practice of music care is all about doing that. Kind of takes me back to my musical theater days where you get to experience these emotions and uh, exaggerate them and right. and then put them to bed. Like that wasn't actually you, but because you uh, personified this character, you got to experience those emotions and then send it on its way. Yeah, you had like way more than your toe in the water on that one. And, <laughs> and it, it's a good analogy, too, because music care isn't actually acting. You're not putting on a persona. Mm -hmm. you're, you're allowing yourself mm. to be like scared, very mm -hmm. scared. You're allowing yourself to feel anger that is just like even to feel rage. But you can do that in safety if the music that you're listening to gives you that ride and you allow it. And the trick, of course, is allowing it because most of us don't intentionally go angry or don't intentionally go to fear. Actors do all the time. They can do that stuff. But, mm. you know, for the average bear, uh, you know what I mean? We need to practice. Yeah. And, and it's actually a very, very safe, you know, healthy thing to do to sit yourself down in the chair and give yourself 15 minutes of a, a music bath on an emotion that, that will take you on a journey of cleansing it, of coming back to neutral after it's over. So you learn not only what it feels like, but how to return to that place where you can choose what comes next. Wow, that's so fascinating. Now, a claim you have made, Bill, that just really stood out to me was you said music has kept you alive. Tell us about that. Yes, it's true. Um, I am uh, chronically depressed, they tell me. I, I've done the tests on this stuff. And I have schizophrenic tendencies. So I'm pulling the charts at both ends. And... You know, I basically don't fit, I guess is a good way of saying it. <laughs> mm. but, I have, but I have felt that chronic depression. I really do. And I realized early on in my stiff upper lip family that the safe place for me to express those emotions that were just inside me that just needed to come out was at the piano. I couldn't, you know, mope around the house without attracting attention, right? And, and you always get in most families, you get the, oh, don't be scared, Billy, or, um, you know, it's not good to be angry. Don't cry. So they're the suppressing emotions life like it was the right thing to do. Fortunately, there was the piano. So all my life, I've been going there and taking my emotions with me. Um, after a, a, you know, a certain amount of life, you start to accumulate baggage. And uh, that baggage at one point overwhelmed me back in 2007. 
it was Labor Day week. It was the Friday of Labor Day weekend, and um, all my kids had gone to college, you know, and the, there were no more pets. And I was living in a condominium where I didn't have my piano with me at the time, and I I was just suicidal. I, it had, the second time in my life where I'd really felt that burden, and I just said, you know, I'm going to end it all. This is this is there's nothing left here, and I don't know why, but um, I sat down that evening and put on my uh, sadness music. I just kind of wanted to feel that comfort, you know, one more time. And I don't know how long it was. I spent a good chunk of time just weeping. I I couldn't hold that in. And at some point that evening, still sitting in the chair with my headphones on, uh, I woke up. And, I mean, I was awake. Something had shifted. And... Allie, whatever that was, uh, I slept soundly that night, and I woke up Saturday morning with this little spark of com- of you know commitment to this new thing, whatever it was. It took me four years to figure it out, but it uh, it became music here in 2011, and um, the experience of listening to that music that night and allowing myself to go that deep, so deep that I was no longer conscious of what was happening, uh, released the suicidal tendencies from that scene and gave me a place where I could be safe, even with those tendencies and feelings, knowing that there was something there who that I could use, that I could bring to other people in a way that would be useful to them. And so I'm still alive and breathing and still doing it. Well, first, Bill, thank you for sharing that and how moving that is to see the power of music. But I think the thing that stands out from your story is what are individuals missing that don't have music in their life? You know, what comfort are they not able to experience because they don't have that same ability to put their headphones on and and listen to that music that wraps them essentially with arms of a hug? Um, yeah. So, um, I mean, wow, that, that essentially shares how powerful music is in the sense that it can save your life, um, which is such a testament, again, now that we're in an environment where music and art is being taken out of schools left and right. So as individuals that have both experienced what that has done for 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 us i just really am saddened for those that don't get to experience that it's a really interesting um, point that you're making here an observation you're making because if you look at indigenous cultures for example um, american native cultures or um well i'm thinking of the people in haiti for example but there are cultures where music is just part of who you are. The really obvious big one that's out that's that's just incredible in the United States right now, maybe worldwide, is the hip hop culture and rap music. This music is it's part of the black culture. It's just so part of that. And it always had I mean, way back to Scott Joplin that I was playing, right? And and we've got spirituals and whatever. Oh my gosh. So so this this native culture has this music inclination built into it. And I know if you go like to New Orleans, you've got 
the music of New Orleans unites the city. Uh, the people singing around Notre Dame in Paris. So that there's a built-in um, openness, I think, if you're in that particular sort of cultural setting where music is your go-to. It's one of the things you go to. Um, there's the other end of the spectrum, too, where people are still going to the symphony. And thank you, everybody who goes to the symphony, because please yes, do that. We, yes. need, we need classical music, right? But it's, so, it's such a different uh, kind of demographic. But in the middle is this music gap. And in the music gap, you've got uh, you know, pop and stuff, people where they're, they're listening to music, but it's not actually uh, purpose-driven music. It's more like eating a, an all-sugar diet. Mm, Nothing wrong with an all-sugar diet, analogy. right? You know, yeah. It, but but if, you're, if you're just sort of passively consuming electronic dance music, for example, or whatever, and that's your, that's your whole thing, well, you need, to, you need to balance your diet. And while you might be getting the incredible adrenaline pop, and people who get that adrenaline pop a lot are closer, by the way, to the kind of fear and anger experiences that we want to have, uh, if you're getting that, you also need to have the other kind of more ambient, maybe binaural beats, something that lets your body release some of that adrenaline and figure out how to manufacture a little more dopamine, for example. So you go from this, this highly energized, um, upregulated place to more of a, in that situation, more of a downregulated place to get you back to sustainable joy. Because, you know, your body can't sustain adrenaline forever and ever. It's, it's not, we're not set up that way. We need that momentary pop, but we need to come back to a, a more modulated neutral place. So in this giant gap where pop music lives, and it always has, um, we could do a better job at balancing our diet. And, and that, that sort of consciousness gap there, awareness gap or music gap, whatever you want to call it, is the opportunity. That's the opportunity. People who, are, who have cultural music, man, they're in it. They, they, they are going to use that stuff. No problem. No music therapy required, right? But if you're not in that uh, situation or isn't part of your life, like you learning piano growing up and being in musical theater, that sort of puts, you, puts it in your cultural spectrum. But if that isn't you, and that's most of the people in the world, um, we got to dig in there and figure out how to uh, reinvigorate ourselves rather than just allowing the music to play in the background while we're doing other stuff. We need to bring our full selfish uh, intention and consciousness to the music while it's working on us that can really leverage things. Well, and you're, you're kind of bringing awareness to the fact of something that I did self-consciously. Um, whenever I feel stressed um, or I can tell my blood pressure is rising, I tend to take a bath and turn on spa music. And oh, <laughs> I yep. mean, this comes from someone from the spa industry, but um I, there's a channel on Amazon music that's spa and it yes. is that peaceful music. And, you know, gosh, by the end of 15 or 20 minutes of it, I feel a million times better. And I didn't even really think about the fact that I'm gravitating towards that experience to calm myself down until you just said that. So I'm sure this is something that maybe some of us do already, but now that I'm aware of that, maybe I need to go to that place more often and uh, experience that in other ways to, again, go back and go back to your conversation of, um, you know, music care, experiencing those emotions, but then letting them go. Oh, yeah. And, and by the way, they'll go by themselves, just like, mm. you know, you'll relax in the bath. It just happens. Mm. And, and you're so on this because... Science hasn't really gone there yet to tell us, but I think they will. 
that your sort of inclination to put on some music, strengthened by your experience in the spa industry, of course, but that's how life works. It taps us on the shoulder. If we pay attention, it'll offer us something we hadn't you know, really known about before or realized that worked. And this becomes more and more conscious for you. Uh, that's the idea is to bring it more and more conscious for as many as we can to get us to a place where we can do this, not just for intervention. I mean, electronic dance music is like drinking from a fire hose. It's, you know, how much of that can you actually swallow? <laughs> right. And, and that's a great intervention if you needed that to pop your adrenaline. But all day long, 24-7, it's not good for you. And, you know, you can't sit in the bath all day long with spa music. Or maybe you can. Maybe if, you know, <laughs> maybe I should. The, maybe someday. That's called a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but, that, a, you know, five or ten minutes day. of, you know, music can can do that for you, too. And not just as an intervention, which is great, but as a practice. So that if you practice the idea of, say, intervening, intervening with an angry boss um, using music, that practice will get you to a place where it's where you no longer need to downregulate from those experiences because mm-hmm. they become familiar and you have tools for dealing with them and that you didn't have before. So this idea of music care, you know, I'm I'm seeing more and more of the the similarities to the act of self care and how these really yeah. do work hand in hand. Um, but you've also mis- mentioned music therapy. So talk to us about the difference between music therapy and music care. Great question. I have great respect for my music therapy colleagues. Music therapy is the uh, licensed and certified practice of music for therapy, therapeutic care. It's a two-way thing. You're across the table or across the keyboard or whatever, across the drum, from a music therapist who's working with you on a particular thing. It, it could be psychological, it could be physical, it could be emotional. Uh, so there's there's a specific um, reason for that two-way communication. Just like you'd go to psychotherapy, you'd go to there. In fact, there are a lot of psychotherapists who are also music therapists. So there's a, it, it takes another person to help you through. And music therapists are trained, they're master's level, sometimes PhD level um, training plus certification and tests, and they, they have to stay on top of, all, of their game, just like all the other licensed certified therapy uh, therapists uh, in America and actually in other countries as well. So uh, music therapy, you've got one-on-one. Music care, that's about you using music for self-care, independent of a therapist. You could learn how to use music tools from a therapist and then use those tools and give yourself music care, if that makes any sense at all. And I'm hoping that what we'll see down the road is that more and more therapists of all kinds and all modalities begin to teach their clients how to do things for themselves so that for the other however many hours in the week that they're not there with the therapist, the clients can continue to give themselves care in this way. I've been fortunate, I think, to have therapists that do that, and I'm so grateful to them. It's amazing to have tools, and um, even if the tools like you know, are pulling out your oracle cards or you know a prayer or whatever, I mean, you have to learn to pray, and there's a reason for that, right? And you have to learn to give yourself EMDR, for example. Um, that that is an amazing thing, the bilateral stimulation and what that does for people who are experiencing or recovering from trauma. Amazing stuff. So there, all these tools that are out there. Um, are available to us. And the more that therapists teach them, 
uh, the better for everybody. We, we don't have enough therapists to go around of any kind and probably couldn't afford it anyhow for all the issues that we need to resolve. So self-care seems to be the way to go. So um, music care, that's care for yourself, using music that you love for your own self-care. And music therapy is going to a therapist who then works with you on a particular for a particular therapeutic purpose. Okay, so diving into that music care world a little more, I, you know, I've kind of already ex- ex- shared. I didn't know I was doing it, but a, a way that I was um, utilizing music care. What are some other ways that individuals can use music? to, you know, practice self-care in the ways of maybe their business or relationships with friends and family or even their health. There's a, if I can work backwards, there's a great um, deal of therapeutic and evidence-based and scientific research on music and health. There's video out there of Alzheimer's and dementia patients who are have no effect, and then you play music for them, they wind up singing and talking like they're right there with you in the room again. Uh, nobody really knows why this stuff happens, but there's enough evidence that we're starting to get curious. So they're, they're working on why that happens. Um, they're using music to do functional MRI studies of the brain and figure out how the brain works. The music triggers um, expected kinds of things we can say okay we play this note and it has this effect in the brain and so uh, the neuroscience uh, profession is gaining huge amounts of insight into the brain thanks to music and the way that musicians respond Um, this is uh, this is fantastic stuff but it gets even more basic back in the early 2000s a guy named dr conrad dr claudius conrad who was at massachusetts general at the time uh, is a, a surgical oncologist, so he sees a lot of cancer patients, and he's also a classical pianist. He decided to play some music for the patients that were recovering in his ICU just to see what would happen. And he found that the people in his ICU needed half the pain meds of the people who didn't have music, like 50% less pain meds. Wow. And, and they had like measurable decreases in two stress hormones, and their pituitary growth hormone levels went up, which means they healed faster. So Holy adding music cow. to your ICU, you don't need, you have the pain meds, uh, you know, 20% less stress and you heal faster. That sounds like a good, you know, way to use music. Right. So um, we need to encourage more of that. So that was in 2000s. I know our VA hospital in San Diego because I volunteer there. And I've, sadly, I've been in the ICU a few times. We still don't have music there. Ali, we've got to fix that. It's not that it's hard. It's so simple. It's so simple. So if you need health, um, you know, Find the music that you love and, and let yourself be with that. The spa bath is a great example. That's that's life-giving in more ways than you know. Um, you know, Clearly, there's some mental, we've talked about mental and emotional aspects of this. There's even spiritual um, aspects of music that connect you in ways that, well, I've heard people who do a lot of yoga or meditate a lot um, talk about how they're able to still their mind. And I know when I'm at the piano, the voices in my head stop. Uh, you know, I can listen to them. It messes up the performance. But music is how those things dial back for me. So personally, I find health in music. We we know it's been great for me mentally and emotionally. And I believe spiritually, too, it's connected me to insight that I wouldn't have had otherwise just by being able to turn off the left brain and open up to whatever is coming um, from the intuitive side. 
so let's see, we're covering uh, it's about all of those things. So that's that's on a personal level. But guess what? It goes bigger because if your family drums together, for example, you'll learn about your family in a way that you can't learn any other way. Making music with someone opens up that potential. And it's not like, you know, you, it's, it's just sort of fascinating. It's like, wow, I got these insights. I didn't know that, you know, when I was drumming with this person that that, that was on their mind or in their heart, whatever, you just get it. It's like, yeah, I understand. That's an amazing thing. So um, in business, there's a lot of interventional ways to use that. Personally, um, I like to put on a little click, click track on my um, mobile phone or whatever flat screen I've got just in the background about three minutes before the meeting starts kind of brings everybody to the same it, it actually physically entrains everybody to the same place they don't know that's happening but when the meeting starts they're more focused <laughs> so yeah I mean I know therapists that use music to uh, to start and stop every therapy session and even there's there's a thing called vocal psychotherapy too which is a great practice if you can do it it's basically freestyling your therapy session so, you know, this would be no trouble for somebody who's into hip hop. But, you know, for a white guy like me, that'd be very difficult. But you sing with your therapist. You, you sing, this is my problem today, <laughs> right? And, <laughs> and guess what? It opens up, um, it opens you up to things you wouldn't be able to find otherwise and allows you to, to bring them out. So um, maybe singing to yourself in the shower isn't as bad as we thought it was, especially if you're making up the words in the tune. <laughs> I mean, you are blowing. I, I feel like I I know knew enough about the power of music, but you're blowing my mind right now. And sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> this is something that's so simple to integrate into your life. Is it though? Yeah. And and it's it's funny you say that because I've re I read research lately that said, you know, singing to yourself reduces stress. Don't know the percentage, but that alone was, okay, I'm going to keep my daily um, karaoke sessions in the car up then because it's definitely working. Um, Even thinking about the medical aspect though. So when I had LASIK eye surgery done, gosh, 10 years ago, um, they gave me a list of of albums and and CDs that they had available to play during the the surgery. And yeah, yeah. I, I got to choose which album I wanted to play during the surgery. And I mean, it's it's relatively you know quick. Uh, I would say probably thirty minute procedure, um, but you are awake during it. And yeah. um, gosh, I had a lot of anxiety behind that just because of the fact sheer fact that I was awake and able to kind of see what was happening. Yeah. Um, and but I do remember that music. I, I just kind of tried to tune everything else out and just follow along with the words of the music. And um, I feel like there's so much to be said about that, and there's just so much more to explore because that alone was an emotional uh, security blanket for me mentally. But but also there are so many effects of what music can do, you know, for your healing process, what, what you mentioned. Um, and it goes hand in hand with massage as well. There's, there's research out there that shows that individuals that have open heart surgery heal. I think it's a third of the time faster because if they have massage within 48 hours of having their surgery 
I mean, it's just increasing the blood flow. So let's let's incorporate massage and music. And wow, I mean, I feel like I would be like Superman. (laughs) Yeah, it's really true. I mean, the the rabbit hole is really deep on this one. You can imagine it's it's a blast. You know, (laughs) advising people on their music. I just it's so much fun because you get all this insight that you wouldn't have any other way. You know about people's music and and why they love it. And uh, by the way, the music that is best for you is the music you love. So mm. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to prescribe any music for you. That's the music yeah. therapy world. Yeah. I'm just going to support you and the music you love. Now, well, if it's all sugar, we're going to change that. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but there's. I mean, that's the stuff that works. The music from our adolescence. So basically, you know, from when we were teenagers until early 20s, the last sort of formative stages of our brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the music that is like our music. I'm kind of messed up about that because the music that I was listening to back then was ragtime, right? And classical. And it's like, oh, okay, so I missed Elton John and I missed, I, but I'm catching up now. Yeah, yes, yes. Oh, cool. <laughs> There's always time to catch up. My grandson um, was listening to metal before he was born because my stepdaughter, his mother, is a drummer in a metal band. <laughs> wow. He's also half native, so I wonder how he's going to turn out, like musically. Where will that go? Right? I'm yeah. so curious. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, it's Probably. it's really opening my yeah. mind. All kinds of possibilities that are out there. Seriously. Wow. So, in thinking of music care and how that's integrated into the self care industry, what have you seen as the evolution of of using music for self-care and do you feel like there's still room to grow oh it's so we're just at the tip of the iceberg Uh, it wasn't that long ago maybe 60 years ago that people would sit around the hi-fi listening to the latest sinatra lp they'd just sit there and listen Uh, that is i mean the fact that 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 equipment was invented so that you wouldn't have to go into a concert hall and you could have the you know the concert in your own house well, where are we now? So music has gone into the background. It's buried in the soundtracks of YouTube videos and everything that you can get on Netflix or anywhere else. The intentional listening of music is very restricted now. It's, it, it can be done. Obviously, we've got so much music, but people just don't sit around listening to you know mm. Amazon. Mm-hmm. It's, on, it's in the background. So the opportunity is to bring more focus, uh, to be more selfish about it, to allow yourself to say, I don't like the music that you're listening to, you know, at the at 10 plus in your room, stepdaughter of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like you have personal experience with this. Yeah, yeah, put on some headphones. Has anyone else ever had that experience, right? You know, telling your kids to, to turn down the music or at least listen to it on headphones. I think that it's important we're listening to it. I don't want to cut that off. But understanding that all of us have different music that we need. And obviously, different times of the day, we need different kinds of music, and and this could be a pretty, you know, noisy place if we didn't do it right. But there's some, uh, there's a need here, first of all, to bring the focus. And yes, please listen to your music. Do that. Do whatever music it is. Do it. Just do it. That's a great first step. But then be conscious of the fact that everybody else is listening to their music too, and and you don't want to stress them out. And sometimes it's nice to organize, and if you've got the money, go to a concert and all enjoy it together. That's a really great way to bring some focus, but we need to do that like all the time, every day. There, that needs to be a consistent practice, not just, you know, whenever, whenever you can afford the $600 to go see a Broadway show, right? Mm-hmm. It's it, bringing that simple, easy practice of music. Oh, we've got technology. The, it's basically free. 
But um, even if you have to pay for 10 bucks a month or something for Spotify so that you can control the playlist that you have and the order they play in and don't just get randomized by Pandora or whatever songs, I'm, uh, it's worth it. So that's that's the opportunity there. And, and clearly the rest of the self-care industry is just blown up too. Uh, we talked about yoga and meditation. That's a huge part of it. But there are so many modalities that could be uh, repurposed as self-care and taught that way that would really help us along. Uh, here in California and other states, uh, cannabis is a big part of the self-care industry, if you will. Uh, heaven's sakes, it's going to be an industry. But uh, that kind of awareness of what people can do to intervene with you know, the crazy in life, that's a super opportunity for everyone in self-care to just run in and say, hey, all of this isn't probably all for you, but some slice of it might work for you. Let's help find that slice and then let's enliven your practice of that so that it, it sustains you, whatever that is. And hey, music is a great one. That's my lane. But all of us who are in this self-care industry need to, to, uh, to do a good job of letting people know that it isn't just, you know, crystal crunching woo anymore. There's actually science out there supporting these ancient practices of, I don't know, like chiropractic, I guess. Some people can self-adjust using a thing called trauma release exercise that was invented recently, well, 10 years ago. So there are ways where the professions that we've relied on so for so long can be brought home. I'm not, invi- I'm not advising anybody to go out and, you know, do self-acupuncture, but, sure. you know, you can get the same effect as an acupuncture needle with just a little bit of frankincense oil on the same point. Um, wow. Lots of people do acupressure, the same kind of thing, but mm. with directed pressure. So there's mm. lots of things where the practice could be learned and used by a lot of us in ways that we haven't used it before. And uh, it, it's really encouraging for me to see that that's opening up. And, you know, uh, chiropractors doing online courses. So you as a patient understand what's going on and can do things that sustain your uh, your uh, the frame, the you know the the adjustment that you've had, sustain that before your next visit. So you're actually doing work at home that helps you as much as your visit to the actual chiropractor did. These are amazing opportunities, and and there's just so many of them. And if we handle it right, I think we can bring people along to a very helpful place, reduce our healthcare costs because self-care really impacts your uh, medical bills in a great way. So yeah, bring it on. Let's let's see how it goes. Well, so speaking of the self-care industry, I would love to hear how you personally are selfish. <laughs> I have this music practice. It, it takes me like under the headphones and out of circulation for every a little while every day. And um, sometimes people look at me funny. <laughs> That's okay, right? Like, what are you doing under those phones again, Bill? And uh, that's what we need it, to be able to... Um, to find those little things that feed you, maybe it's a walk around the block. And by the way, while you're doing that, you're getting bilateral stimulation. So a walk is a great place to work on things that are difficult emotionally because the bilateral stim will help you release that stuff. What was I talking about? So that's a selfish way, walking around the block. Um, sometimes we do it more organized. When you're doing music, it's very individual. It's not like taking a yoga class or going to meditation. It's that individual five minutes if that's all you've got or 20 where you can give yourself the emotional ride or complete an emotional ride that got triggered earlier in the day. Uh, that's the kind of selfish care that we're talking about. And it's, it's so wonderful to do that. It just, it's, it's life sustaining. Is there anything you wish you could be doing more? Oh, sure. I, I wish I had bigger reach and was able to, you know, talk to more people about this. 
but I know I can't. <laughs> so instead mm -hmm. of talking to just random whoever is out there that needs that, I'm looking for people who, like yourself, can help spread the word to to their audience, to their clients, to their uh, colleagues in business, whatever it is, and be able to leverage that. I think on a, on a very deep level, you get it. And when you talk about music and how it works on you, you're talking about music care. And my objective here is, because I can't talk to everybody, is to help people that I speak with also go away with the um, with the simple knowledge of how to explain music care to others. That's, I think, the the best way it could go. What is next for Bill? Uh, more of this. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? You know, a few years ago, I read a book called The Surrender Experiment by Michael Singer. And, um, he did the whole... Uh, yogi thing where he sat under a tree until he got enlightened and, and he really did get enlightened but his enlightenment was Michael you're going to surrender everything that you want to do you're going to surrender to what the universe brings you and you're going to do that and I'm not going to spoil the book but he is very successful um, and also incredibly an, an incredibly enlightened individual it was so inspiring reading his book The Surrender Experiment that I gave it a try it was hard you know, I, I wasn't starting, you know, in my last year of college, I was starting midlife and, and it, it, actually it works. So when I look into the future and say, what's next for me, I'm looking to say, I wonder what the universe will bring me. Yeah, I have goals and aspirations and stuff like that. And a lot of them haven't worked out in life, but they've been helpful and useful. And I still have some of those, like keeping a roof over the, our heads is a good, a good goal. And I'd like to see that, you know, in the future, if that's coming next, that, that's good. I'd like to continue to have this roof over my head. But how things will go, what the trajectory is, you know, it's kind of like you. You discovered that you liked talking to people in the spa industry and, and started doing a podcast. And turns out people want to know those people that you like talking to. And, and I've heard that on so many, so many podcasts I listen to. It's just being open, maybe, uh, receptive, able, capable of getting the uh, – when the, when the order taps you on the shoulder of turning around and saying – you know what? That could be interesting. And then chasing it and seeing where it goes. I think those are the powerful things. Staying in the flow, if you want to um, put it in that kind of language, works. Um, often people who are tapped on the shoulder will relate to that as, uh, as God speaking to them. Whatever the voice is, like stay with that voice. Instead of trying to steer the ship, you know, let the ship go downstream. It's going to flow downstream anyway. You might as well not try to row against the current, but see where the stream is going to take you. That's what's next for Bill. Well, Bill, thank you for giving us the tap on the shoulder today because you have opened my mind to the power of music in a way that I never thought truly was possible. So um, thank you for that. And um, thank you for the work that you're doing because as you shared, it is changing lives. Even if it just changed yours, that's enough, right? So, that's enough, um, yeah. But you, but you are changing lives, and you're you're affecting um, so many people. So, thank you for that work, and thank you for talking to us today. You're so welcome, Ellie. Thank you again for um, having me on the show. Like what you just heard? Visit us at selfishthepodcast.com. Subscribe and leave a review on iTunes today.